0: We are in the mood for fantasy football. We are Pro Football Network. I'm your host, BJ Rudell, PFN's fantasy football director. With me as always is PFN fantasy analyst, Tommy Garrett. Joining us again today, PFN fantasy analyst, Jason Katz, better known as Katz. We are talking about the waiver wire for week 14. This is a critical time for most people, most people who play fantasy football, who are still listening to this podcast and still care about their teams and either making the playoffs or getting a better seating in the playoffs, we're just warming up because you're 10 and uh, two, 10 and three, and you don't care because you've got a one seed and you're just laughing at everyone else in your league. You should still care about the waiver wire. We're going to start at QBs. Tommy Gardner Minshew, uh, you like that guy. Uh, tell me whether you think uh, fantasy managers in a typical league should definitely pick him up, depending on Jalen Hurts' status.
1: I am a big fan of Garden Minshew. As I called him, he is the demon we- denim wearing, whiskey shooting, mullet rocking, girl stealing All American man. And we saw what he can do last week uh had a an incredible game honestly for given the situation he was put in hasn't been a starter for a little bit of time lost his job gets traded goes 20-25 to 25, 242 yards gets two touchdowns and we saw the excitement after the game with him and his dad and pretty much everyone on twitter i know myself i was kind of losing uh watching him go on but the the question's always going to come down to the health of jalen hurts because if jalen hurts is healthy for as good as Gardner Minshew play, I don't think he could have played good enough to his take to have taken the job away from Jalen Hurts. Uh, so it's all going to come down to his ankle. On Sunday, Jake Glazer reported that they do expect him to be ready for week four, although we'll have to kind of wait until t- – I'm sorry, week 14. We'll have to wait until tomorrow's injury report. It got to get an idea of where his practice status is. If you've got the room to pick him up like in a 2QB league, I can see that. Just make sure you have a starting quarterback in a 1QB league, knowing it wouldn't be his job if uh, Jalen Hurts plays – I probably wouldn't do it, but it all comes down to if you have that extra roster spot that can be flexible with making these waiver claims. Great, cats. Any different
0: opinion on Gardner Minshew, or are you also a mild fan?
2: I I love the shoe. Uh, last season, in uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, in nine starts, he finished as a is the QB fourteen or better six times. So Gardner Minshew definitely has that upside if he starts. But much like uh, Tommy said. We think that Jalen Hurts will return. The Eagles are on bye this week, giving Hurts an extra week to rest his ankle, expect him to be ready to go in week 15, and Hurts is going to start. So Minshew, he's someone to keep an eye on if he ends up starting again. But right now, unless you're in a 2QB league, like Tommy said, you can leave him on the waiver wire.
1: I put the stat out last night, and it was Gardner Minshew had 40.826 times more fancy points than Mac Jones. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You can't beat facts.
2: And how much more swagger does he have than Mac Jones? Infinite.
1: (laughs) On a scale of one to 10, 69. Nice.
2: (laughs)
0: All right. uh, Good. Speaking of infinite, let's go to infinite running talent. uh, Taysom Hill. Uh, Cats. He's got a a mallet finger, uh, which is similar to the injury that uh, uh, Russell Wilson had that kept him out for some weeks, uh, but supposedly not as severe. And as we all know, uh, Taysom Hill loves to run with the ball and is arguably better at that than passing the ball. So the big question is, if uh, you don't have a top-12 quarterback, are you rushing to get Taysom Hill if he's available in your league, uh, or are you looking
1: elsewhere? Rushing, I see what you did there. Thank you.
2: (laughs) If you don't have a top-12 quarterback, but you have Taysom Hill, you have a top-12 quarterback. In his five career starts, he's been a top-12 quarterback in all of them. He averages 62 rushing yards per game in his starts. It's just so easy for him to post QB one numbers. As we saw against the Cowboys last Thursday night, four interceptions did not, did not throw the ball well. And it just doesn't matter because he runs the jets allow the eighth most fantasy points to quarterbacks. The only thing that concerns me is the finger injury. He's going to try to play through it, but there's always a risk that he bangs it again, that it doesn't work. If it keeps hampering his throwing, or we don't know if it was the finger or just Taysom Hill, not being great. But if the, if if the finger is a problem, he could get benched mid game. That is always a risk, but unless that happens, Taysom Hill
1: will be a QB one. Good. Tommy, any other thoughts on uh, Taysom Hill? For me, it's it's something we talked about the 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 difference in the wide receiver talent around him. Um, the margin for error has been reduced when you're not throwing to Emmanuel Sanders, and Michael Thomas, and when now you're throwing to was Deontay Harris until he was until he was now suspended and then um Marquez Calloway Traquan Smith um I think for me the question comes down to it's going to be the health of Alvin Kamara if Alvin Kamara is back we could see a reduction in his rushing upside which is going to hurt him I think he's still going to come in right around that that quarterback that quarterback one low end high end QB2 kind of range but all kind of stems from what's the health going to be of Alvin Kamara because New York Jets have allowed over 1600 rushing yards on the ground so far this season one of those two guys are going to feast this week, whether it's Kamara, whether it's Taysom Mill, or a combination of both. But I think the health of Kamara is really going to be a big factor in Taysom Mill's upside this week.
0: Very good. I like it. Uh, third uh, quarterback uh, to keep an eye on, Cam Newton. Uh, we easily forget about him because of the bye week, because Christian McCaffrey is out, uh, because Cam Newton was benched. Uh, but the report is that Cam Newton uh, is expected to start in week 14. Uh, he will not have his safety valve in McCaffrey. Uh, instead, he will have Chuba Hubbard. Um, but he still has his receivers. He still has DJ Moore, uh, still has, uh, Robbie Anderson, if Robbie Anderson can ever turn things around. Uh, my take is, you know, they're playing Atlanta and, uh, this is a get right game. Uh, Atlanta is kind of the Southern version of the jets. Um, they are capable of being, uh, beaten on the ground and through the air. Uh, Cam Newton can do both sneaky waiver ad. Uh, I would not expect him to do much better beyond that. He plays Buffalo and Tampa Bay and New Orleans and Tampa Bay down the stretch. Newton is a great waiver ad. Cats, Tommy, any disagreement there?
1: I'm probably a little bit less bullish on him just because we've seen him have some good games and we've seen him be absolutely atrocious and literally get benched. Uh, last game he was out there had 6.2 fantasy points and we saw P.J. Walker coming against Miami. Uh, the current the concern for me actually stems from the coaching staff. Uh, we just saw uh, Matt Rule fire Joe Brady. So what is this offense now going to look like? Uh, this seems like a week that could be very much in flux. We're not going to go with this, what this offense could be. They're doing a bunch of install right now. We're assuming they used the bye week to try to help alleviate some of that you know, those tight time constraints, whether or not that was enough, I don't know. We'll have to see what this offense looks like, but I'm a little hesitant going out there and wanting to start Cam Newton in week 14, when I know a chance my fantasy playoffs are possibly on the line.
2: I'm more on Tommy's side on this one. I know the Falcons allowed the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks. So of course there's upside there, but, but when we lost, saw Cam Newton, he threw 21 passes in week 12. He completed five to his team and two to the other team. I don't know how with, Likely the play, a playoff spot on the line. You can confidently put him out there this week.
0: All right. Well, that's uh, you two are often on the other side uh, of me on uh, on issues, and I am used to it, and uh, I accept it. Uh, keep in mind they were on the road against Miami, and that's uh, uh, not mm-hmm. an easy place. Uh, well, Miami's defense matchup. has
1: been has been flying here as a reason. I mean, they shut down Lamar Jackson. What did you think they were going to do to uh, Cam Newton? I mean, that was a good right. matchup for Miami and how they're playing right. right now here recently with a lot of blitz. So I want to
0: make sure that I get the last word based on context uh, that I think Cam Newton against Miami in Miami is different than Cam Newton at home against Atlanta. But I, as always respect uh, your pushback uh, next up, running backs, uh, Jamichael hasty could be a huge name this week. We've been writing about it. We meaning uh, not me. Uh, one of the analysts uh, uh, has written about Jamichael hasty um, with uh, Elijah Mitchell with concussion symptoms. Uh, with uh, Jeff Wilson's uh, uh, injury. front They kept him on IR re, uh, flaring back up. Uh, and so there is a big possibility. Uh, and by the way, sixth string uh, running back Trenton Cannon uh, sent to the hospital in the last game. So they, yeah. they have six running backs, and they're down to one healthy one, Jermichael Hasty. And the question, Tommy, for you is, uh, how much of your remaining fab do you put on Hasty if you don't have, let's say, if your best running back is Adrian Peterson, uh, your number two running back is Adrian Peterson, how much do you put on Hasty?
1: If my number two running back is Adrian Peterson, I've got a lot bigger problems than what what I'm doing with my fantasy team with my life. Um, like I say, Jamichael Hasty could be a big player this week. Um, we've seen him get a little bit of work. The San Francisco 49ers run the ball the fifth most in the NFL. Um, we've seen Elijah Mitchell be a fantastic player so far. Um You know, Hasty came in, beat out Salvin Ahmed last year, kind of secured a role on this team. And right now it's kind of paying dividends. He's got a chance to be a really good running back, but I'm a little nervous about the matchup. Cincinnati Bengals are sitting at fifth right now in the NFL in terms of uh, points allowed to the running back. So we'll kind of see what they do. I think the sneaky name to kind of keep it on actually is going to be Kyle Juszczyk because we know how versatile he can be in this offense, just as a blocker, also as a receiver out of this backfield. So I think you could see a little bit of a split between both these guys, but probably Jamichael Hasty with the bigger role. If you're sitting there and you've still got, you know, 30 bucks left out there, I'd throw, you know, throw five, throw six out there at least um, just because you want to try to get a shot on your roster, but it all comes down to whether or not um, Elijah Mitchell can clear concussion protocol. If he does, then obviously he's going to be the clear cut starter. Uh, If not, then you've got a guy who might come in and, you know, low-end RB2, high-end RB3 kind of flex kind of play? Maybe 8 to 12 back, point.
2: Back Pat in week, week, four, week four, back in week four when Elijah Mitchell missed the game, Michael Hasty missed the game, Kyle Yuschek, to Tommy's point, played 82% of the snaps. So I really think that if they're down to just Hasty and then I presume they would just sign someone off the street or maybe call someone from the practice squad, it would probably be a mostly Hasty and uschek. We've only seen Hasty be in a kind of a future role once it was in week eight of the 2020 season uh, where he touched the ball carry 12 carries 29 yards one catch um didn't really do much it's I don't expect them to ask Casey to be like an every down back to do what Elijah Mitchell does so I think we could see a lot of Kyle Juszczyk and there's also the added confusion of well Mitchell can still clear the protocol we don't know what Jeff Wilson's status is they said his knee flared up what does that actually mean could be a couple of days he could be back and if either of those guys play, then Hasty's not going to have any value. So it's tough to spend a lot of your fab on a Wednesday when you have when could end up being useless by Thursday.
1: Not to mention, they're also trying to replace the rushing upside of Debo Samuel.
2: That's true. Debo Samuel was kind of operating as their RB2 yeah. for the last several weeks until obviously last week when he missed. Uh, so so they, have, they have a lot of production to make up, and I don't think they're going to put it all on Hasty.
0: Very good. Uh, Kat, sticking with you. Is there a, a, the Bills' running back situation has been fascinating this season uh, for obvious reasons. Denville, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. Uh, Zach Moss was inactive week one. Then Zach Moss starts to take over a little bit. Singletary is a little bit more in the background in terms of scoring opportunities. And suddenly Matt Breida steps forward. Zach Moss is made inactive, and then Breida and Josh Allen. Who knows who's to blame? Uh, on Monday, fumbled the ball. It looked like Breida. And uh, now we're left with uh, uh, the potential of a a three headed monster backfield uh, with Zach Moss maybe being the uh, de facto lead. Is there, if people have dropped these Bills running backs because they're fed up, is there who would you pick up any of them?
2: I'm not sure what you could really take away from this Monday night game. I mean, we just saw a game. (laughs) Yeah, Thomas shaking his head right now. To
1: me, all it did (laughs) was just mess up the averages. When I go back there and I go back and re look over the season, like, all this did was just screw those things up. So, you have everything that happened in this game comes with a massive asterisk.
2: Right. We have a game where the Bills played a team that attempted three passes. Like, what do you do with that? As I know, some people were like, oh, this is real football. No, no it's not. Nothing happened in this game. They couldn't do anything because one half, half the time, one team was playing into such heavy wins that they, they couldn't throw a forward pass, basically. Uh, Honestly, the almost-
1: Patriots were the team that I expected to be the least impacted by this. And they're the ones and they were only throwing the ball three times.
2: I mean, I have to assume that the weather was the reason Zach Moss was active, but he got 10 carries and three targets. So it looks like he was a deliberate part of the game plan, which I don't understand because Moss was once again, as he's been his entire career, completely ineffective. Eight carries, 21 yards, but he played 41% of the snaps. Matt Breda, who had been coming on strong, was reduced to just 12 total snaps. And we know Devin Singletary is kind of just, it gets you 40, 50 yards, maybe a catch. He's he's an RB4. I I don't know if there's anyone on this team worth rostering. At this at this point, if you're fighting for a playoff spot, I would advise against starting any Bills running back.
0: Well, let's keep moving. Let's just get to Mike Davis, uh, who uh, I've had the uh, fortune of drafting, then trading away, then trading back, then trading away again. Um, he's had seven games, with ten plus fantasy points, uh, but when you start digging into the numbers, you see that uh, it's hard to sustain what he's done, uh, given the way he's done it. Um, you know, obviously he's getting uh, some massive yards on receptions, um, but this offense is is uh, pretty dysfunctional when you get past Cordell Patterson and uh, Mike Davis had another nice game, and it begs the question: Are people going to lunge for him because they see that he got ten plus points again, and they're desperate for a running back? Um, I would say against the Panthers on the road, uh, an absolute no. Uh, I'm not sure that Davis can be counted on for more than about five or six points in this coming week. It's not a good matchup. Uh, He is not, uh, uh, in my opinion, a top 50 quality running back. And I think that it's very easy for him to take a back seat and get only four or five touches. Uh, Any disagreement there between the two of you? Uh,
2: I'm on your side here, BJ. I completely agree. Uh, Mike Davis had a 54% snap share last week, which was actually his highest in a month, but still just eight opportunities. The only reason it looks good is because he happened to score. You said it best with the, with the matchup this week, the Panthers allow the second fewest fantasy points to running backs. I I cannot confidently start Mike Davis this week.
1: No, not with you. I mean, his 32 yards he had last week were the most he's had since week eight. The interesting thing to me has actually been what's been going on with um, Cordell Patterson. This is third straight game, seeing less than 50% of the snaps. Mm. Um, so uh, for a guy that was, you know, weekly, you know, top eight, top six kind of player, and we know how critical he is for this team. It's interesting that he's starting to see a little bit of a reduction in snaps. I wonder if the injuries had anything to do with that, but it's definitely something to kind of keep in mind right now.
2: And they've been using him more as like a traditional running back as opposed yeah. to the receiver that he was early in the season. His his uh, target share has dipped precipitously since the first half of the, of the year. Maybe since coming back from the injury last two weeks, though, 16 carries, 13 carries before that he had he hadn't seen it was nine, nine and four. While he was seeing five to seven targets a game, last couple of weeks eight targets total. So it's it's an interesting shift in how they're using him.
0: Yep. Very good. Uh, Tommy receives Russell Gage. Uh, he's coming on strong. Two good, great, two good games in a row. Two great games, you might say. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see him coming. Uh, I did not bet on Russell Gage uh, at all. Um, even when Calvin Ridley stepped aside from football, uh, he seemed to be a replacement level talent thrust into a number one wideout role. Uh, Alongside the more talented Kyle Pitts. Uh, What do you make of Russell Gage? And should fantasy managers take his points and invest in them going into week 14?
1: I think, honestly, Russell Gage is better than replacing level talent. I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, he had 72 receptions, almost 800 yards, and over 100 targets the year prior. And that was playing with, you know, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Uh, It's just been, this offense has just kind of been a mess. It's one of those things where it's kind of, okay, who's going to be the guy this week? Who's going to be guy next week? Is Matt Ryan going to be able to get the ball in anyone's hands? And look, last week you saw they had 11 receptions, 130 yards. Granted, this was an outlier performance. Um, But I think he could move into, okay, he's going to be the wide receiver one for this team. Granted, wide receiver one for the Falcons versus all these other teams, that's a totally different dynamic. Like we can't just say, okay, wide receiver one means an instant must start. Um, But at least it's giving some value in the pass game to someone outside of, you know, kyle pitts or Cordell patterson on this team so i think you can see uh russell gage come in and like you know that wide receiver four kind of role which i'm fine with that it's like a, a if you've got a couple flexes on your team back end one i make sense on that one the only downside is you don't love the matchup obviously going up against carolina we talked about it with the running game the passing game's kind of the same way um because so like I, I don't love the matchup but in terms of the player i think he could be a decent player you have a good shot with him um Uh, Next week, I'm sorry, in two weeks against Detroit. But at that point, you probably don't want to be relying on it for your playoffs.
2: Good. Cats, any other thoughts on Gage? Wide receiver 8, 14, and 35 the last three weeks. That's usable. That that, that guy needs to be on fantasy rosters even if you're not starting. him. Yep.
0: Very good. Um, uh, Keep in mind, the last two weeks he played Jacksonville and Tampa Bay, uh, both extraordinarily subpar pass defenses. So I'm going to say that I I'm think fine that with your, that because
1: you're doing what you're supposed to do against the teams you're supposed to do it against.
0: Yes, and so the big sense. question for fantasy managers listening to this is can you trust him going forward? Do you pick him up off waivers? And I would say going into Carolina and into San Francisco the next two weeks, I would say no. He's not worth the fab, but if you are if you know you're going to play in week 16 against Detroit, yeah, maybe a flyer. But I, I, I think he's I, – I wouldn't want to pick him up and then keep him on the bench. I think the running backs that you can pick up at this stage are going to be far more valuable. Um, subtopic number two, KJ Osborne, uh, a big name this week. Uh, we'll get into Minnesota more as we go on cats. What do you think about KJ Osborne on the assumption that Adam Thielen cannot play Thursday night?
2: Well, I don't think we need to assume Adam Thielen can't play Thursday night. He's out Thursday night. Uh, and the question now is, is for Thielen is how long is he going to be out with a high ankle sprain, typically a four to six week injury. And even when they return not hundred percent until usually four to six months later. So, uh, during the time that Thielen is out, his production needs to be replaced. KJ Osborne, for me, is the unquestioned top waiver ad of this week. He was a popular name early in the season. He had seven catches for 76 yards in week one, five catches for 91 yards and a touchdown in week two. Then he finishes the wide receiver 70 or worse in all but week in all but one week since then. But last week, we saw Thielen go out very early, and Osborne played 92% of the snaps. The Vikings have a very consolidated offense. It's either Alexander Madison, Dalvin Cook, whoever's, whoever's starting. It's Justin Jefferson, and then it's the wide receiver, too. That guy is now going to be K.J. Osborne. Obviously, he's not going to match Thielen's production. He's not as good as Adam Thielen, but he can definitely be a wide receiver three down the stretch. And he needs to be picked up everywhere.
1: Great. Any other thoughts, Tommy? Nah, I pretty much nailed it on that one. Look, The question was always going to be, who's going to be the wide receiver three for the Minnesota? That's kind of the question we had go into there. Was going to be BC Johnson, Amir Smith-Marset, KJ Osborne, the ones kind of came in there and done it. Uh, we know what they need to um, uh, replace in this offense in terms of the air yards and targets and touchdowns that Adam Thielen provided. That's going to be redistributed around this team, but I think KJ Osborne in terms of receivers is probably going to see the lion's share of you know, that replacement value with the rest of it, probably just going over to uh, Justin Jefferson.
0: Great. And just to clarify, because we at PFN don't uh, make the news, we report the news uh, and then analyze it. Uh, the latest news as of Tuesday afternoon, uh, and uh, Katz is right that Adam Thielen is uh, is expected to miss week 14, but it is not definite yet. It is expected. It is reported that he will likely miss it. We should expect that he will not play, but it is not an official team decision as of yet, so I want to make sure that's clear. Uh, the next receiver, Rashad Bateman. Uh, This is a guy who uh, I've been very high on this year. I actually thought that he would eventually take over as the number one in Baltimore. Uh, I thought his talent level was sufficient uh, to be a number one uh, matching up uh, against Marquise Brown. Uh, That has uh, uh, not quite turned out. Uh, Week nine, week 10, it looked like he was starting that trend. And then things started to collapse against Chicago, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh. Uh, And now the question is, can anyone trust him uh, if, the, if he's available in your league, can you trust him? And he's going up against Cleveland, then green Bay Rams week 17, which is a championship week for a lot of folks. It's, it's hard for me to trust him now. Uh, and for obvious reasons, I still think the talent is there. Um, he's one of those guys who you pick up off waivers and then you start him. And I know if you're Tommy, you might say WR four, you take it. But I think as you're getting into the fantasy playoffs, you want more than a WR four, you want someone who's going to get more upside. And I don't see Bateman giving the upside that a championship caliber team needs. Tommy and Katz, tell me where I'm wrong or right on that.
1: I don't think you're completely wrong. And you're talking to one of the biggest Rashad Bateman believers uh, out here. I mean, for he had three straight weeks right now where he was seeing just tons of targets. Goes wide receiver 32, 36, 24. Then on these last three weeks, 57, 55, 112. Surprising he gets in triple digits. Game against Cleveland, that was when Lamar Jackson throws four interceptions. Not surprising for it, none of the receivers do that well. But, I mean, last week, doesn't catch on a single target. He gets out-snapped and out-targeted by Sammy Watkins and even Devin Duvernay. Um, right now, it's actually kind of hard for me to trust Rashad Bateman. If you had a guy where if you really needed to – let's say you had um, Drell Henderson and you needed to pick up Sonny Michelle, you did do it for some reason last week, like – Rashad Bateman's a guy I would drop to pick up one of these critical backup guys right now, and it's—I don't think he's a must-add. Like, if anything, he would be a very far back in flex play. But given the consistency or the lack thereof that we're seeing, I don't think he could be reliably started right now, or really even rostered. Okay,
2: good. John stuff, Harbaugh, Cat. when when asked about Rashad Bateman, uh, if he if uh, if he wanted to see him more involved in the offense, his quote was, "We like it when a number of guys are targeted." It doesn't always work out that way. You can't create that. When you start chasing that, that's when problems happen. That is not exactly a ringing endorsement of Rashad Bateman seeing some sort of increased uh, like workload going forward. I'm with Tommy. I think you can drop him.
0: Great. Uh, finally, tight ends, folks. We're going to talk about three tight ends. These are not the obvious tight ends. We're not going to say, should you pick up Travis Kelsey in the one league in the world that he's still available? We're going to talk about tight ends that are generally not rostered to see whether they are rosterable in your league. Uh, starting with Tommy, Evan Engram. Uh, he, he may be coming on a little bit strong, uh, strong for him anyway, uh, you know, top 14. Yeah, so. What What do you make of Evan Engram down the stretch, given the mess that
1: is the Giants offense? I, I love the matchups he has coming up. You get LA, you get the Dallas Cowboys and you get the Philadelphia Eagles coming up here, but it's in games without Sterling Shepard and Kadarius Tony, like, He's not giving you like these fantastic outings. Like we've seen him play great. The issue has always been okay, it's either inefficiency or injuries. It's one of the two. Um, yeah, he's seen eleven targets, seven receptions, and ninety-eight yards over his past two games, but that's only finished him with tight end as tight end twenty-two and tight end ten. Um, like it's it's hard for me to trust him, and especially this week, when we don't know if you're gonna have um, Mike Glenning, who's dealing with concussion. You've got Daniel Jones, who's dealing with a strained neck. And right now, the starting quarterback would be Jake Fromm, who they just signed off, the, uh, who they just signed last week. Uh, for me, it's I'm kind of just fading the entire New York Giants team in general uh, until they get this stuff figured out. Because I mean, they're still trying to install a new playbook after firing Jason Garrett. Um, so I don't see much changing for me in the way of wanting to either pick up or start Evan Ingram. Just like we talked about, you know, we need that touchdown upside. Um, and I just don't really see that right now with this team or with him in general. Great. Cats, any other thoughts?
2: Uh, Tommy, now that Evan Engram is just, he's, he's, we know the talent is there, but he never seems to put it all together. And to Tommy's point about all the Giants being out, if he's not producing at a high level when these guys are out, yeah. like, what are we going to expect when they return? And with the Giants on their third string quarterback that was on the Bills practice squad two
1: weeks ago. I mean, they literally only had, they basically only had Darius Slade because even, even Kenny Galladay was banged up in that game. You had one receiver and Evan Ingram. That was it.
2: And still, not, very little production, just a back-end tight end, tight end one, and even that is kind of the best thing he's done all season, and it was more of a product of the underperformance from the other tight ends in Week 13 that get, got him into that top 10.
0: It is ironic that Ingram has been the uh, one of the healthiest receivers on this team, uh, given his <laughs> history of Ingram. It
1: honestly is, yes.
0: Um, uh, and, and what, what's strange enough is that his catch rate is, you know, uh, second best in his career, uh, that his actual numbers you know, projected out over a full season, you know, would give him a, basically a little bit better than what he got last year. It would give him about, you know, 65 receptions, about seven, you know, 650, 700 yards, and maybe about three, four touchdowns, um, which normally would be pretty good. It's just that we see Evan Engram. From what he did his rookie season in 2017, when he had 115 targets and he looked like you know a, a future a top two tight end, uh, and it just it, it he could use a change of scenery. He could go somewhere else and maybe rebuild himself outside of New York, and maybe be the guy who the Giants drafted. But right now, I agree with you, uh, not much. Send him to
1: Cincinnati. Give Joe Burrow another option.
0: There you go. Uh, Tyler Conklin. We told you we'd be back with Minnesota and we are cats. Uh, Tyler Conklin is someone we've talked about on this podcast a bunch. Uh, I wrote about him in the newsletter several times. Uh, He's been written about maybe on the website. Uh, I should know better, but I feel like we have talked about him on the website. Um, He is someone who we at PFN have been pretty high on relative to where the general consensus has been over the past uh, five, six, ten weeks. Uh, Katz, what are your thoughts on Conklin heading into Thursday? Is he a must-start, must-add, because we're talking about waiver wire, tight end?
2: He's kind of been the guy that everybody streams every week. There's always those guys at the quarterback position and the the tight end position each season where every week they're picked up, someone starts them, they get dropped, send on waivers for a week, someone picks them back up because they need a tight end, and Conklin's been that type of guy. And the reason is kind of his performance. It's, It's been very erratic, and he kind of posts those tight end one numbers when he scores a touchdown, and we discussed this on multiple shows prior that those back end tight end ones are all just touchdown dependent kind of guys. There is a little bit more potential with Conklin now with Thielen out because it's possible that he could assume some of those vacated targets that Thielen leaves behind. Last week, Conklin played a season high ninety five percent snap share. He ran a route on half of Kirk Cousins' dropbacks. His nine targets and seven receptions were also both season highs. Given where we are in the season. I think Conklin is more of a priority pickup than he was earlier just right now to see what happens, especially if you're on a Yahoo League where you can drop him after Thursday if he doesn't produce. You can pick him up, put him on your bench, even if you don't start him, see what his role is in a Mm post-dealing world. And then if you need to, if if it's not there, just drop him Friday morning and grab somebody else.
0: That's uh, sneakily brilliant. Uh, Tommy, what do you think?
1: No, nah, I mean, you kind of nailed it. You, you said something that was really, like, it was correct on that. Like, he's always in that range of the same people we see every single week in streamers, right? It's like every week, every week you go to the bar, and, like, on a Saturday night when the lights come on, it's always the same people that are left standing around you've got to choose from. That's Tyler Conklin. Like, he is always that guy that if you need a streaming option, you're turning to him like, all right, fine, I already know what I'm expecting. Go ahead and come on with me. Like, you're fine with him. You go pick him up. Plug him in
0: fantastic uh and uh finally uh we're going with cole Komet, uh who uh was one of my favorite two favorite underrated fantasy tight ends this summer i shared with readers uh that uh his uh, te 23 ranking he was the 23rd ranked uh uh fantasy tight end his average draft position was 23rd uh and i thought he'd be top 14 uh, which he is not yet but the season yeah, he is he was over. my
1: breakout tight end this year um, i'm with you no oh.
0: Okay. So, uh, um, so he, he's an interesting case because I think he needs to be picked up in leagues. If you don't have a TE one, um, I think this, uh, uh, talking about, we've talked a lot about broken offenses. Chicago's offense is pretty broken. I like seeing David Montgomery get going, uh, cause I'm a David Montgomery fan, but the fact is Darnell Mooney can't carry this receiving core. Marquise Goodwin got hurt. There's not a lot of depth and Alan Robinson is perpetually out. Um, it, Cole Komet gives that opportunity. He's had 18 targets in his last two games. He's been coming on strong, you know, roughly in four of the last six games, he's been yep. adequate or better. And I think down the stretch, he's going to be a guy who will fulfill yep. that TE1 prophecy that maybe Tommy, you and I had at the start of the season. Uh, Tommy, we'll start with you. Any Any differentiating or reinforcing thoughts that you have on that?
1: No, I'm kind of with you. Um, The big thing with me was with with last year, the big thing Cole Komet was getting, and I was hoping he was going to get this year, was going to be the red zone looks. Because Jimmy Graham for a while last year was leading the NFL in red zone targets. And where Cole Komet was getting the volume, he wasn't getting the red zone looks. That was what I was really hoping we'd get. And I thought that was what was going to push him over the top. Now we've seen the issues with the Chicago Bears offense and Jenner with Matt Nagy going back to Bill Lazar, you've seen Justin Fields, Andy Dalton going back in and out. Um, I think one of the things that's going to come down with this right here is, okay, who's going to be the starting quarterback? If it's Andy Dalton, then I think we can probably see a continuation of what we've been watching these past couple weeks to talked about, you know, these 18 targets. Um, has a decent matchup with the Bay Packers. They can give up some points at tight ends. Um, like I said, the question comes down to, okay, is it going to be Fields or Dalton? Um, I think it's like if we get a Dalton, I think you've got a high-end QB2 on your hands, a uh, high-end tight end 2 on your hands this week. Given the volume, he's got a little chance for some, to break off some deeper plays. Like, he is a very athletic tight end. I don't think he gets respect for that. Cats, any final thoughts?
2: It's tough because I'm with you in terms of liking Cole Komet. The snap share is there. The routes run are there. The targets are mostly there. The problem is he's just not scoring a touchdown. And I know the touchdowns are a bit fluky. They're not exactly predictable. But again, we're heading into week 14. He's got zero. He has posted a top 12 week twice all season. It, It makes him difficult to trust. But again, at least he has somewhat of a floor given the targeting. And... If he ever were to score a touchdown, he'd obviously be a tight end one. So I think that there's value in picking him up. He's certainly better than some of than some of the guys that are out there, some of the guys that people are starting. But I don't know if he's a, a top priority or, or that the thing that's
1: that You hit on it like he hasn't scored a touchdown yet, right? And we talk about like I was saying, I want him to get the red zone looks. He actually leads Jimmy Graham in red zone looks. Yes, yeah. seven to six. That's it. They have thirteen red zone targets combined. It's not just him. Darnell Mooney has six. Uh, Allen Robinson, obviously, doesn't have hardly any. But he's got four. Like, no one on this team has hardly any targets in the red zone. So it's not surprising these guys are struggling to get touchdowns. Right. It's not not a Cole Komet
2: issue. It's a Chicago Bears issue.
1: It's a scheme and philosophy problem more than it is personnel.
2: Agreed. Komet
0: is uh, tied for ninth in the uh, league in targets among tight ends. And as you all have alluded to, but just to put a button on it, he's one of only two top 30 fantasy tight ends who has not scored yet. So again, this comes down to sometimes scoring is a little bit predictable if we look at red zone looks and sometimes it's not predictable when we look at uh, what kind of offense might show up. Uh, The fact is uh, you know, Chicago's offense looked awful last week against uh, Arizona. Uh, four turnovers in their own uh, uh, territory, and there wasn't a lot of uh, opportunity for Chicago to uh, do uh, to play at their best on offense. Uh, if they are playing at their best with only three decent offensive options, realistically, Komet being one of them, uh, I really like picking up Komet and firing him out there. I put him on par with Conklin as his top 10 to 12 tight end who I would want to start if I didn't have Mark Andrews. I'm pretty happy with him. Um, Thank you, Tommy Garrett. Thank you, Jason Katz. Pleasure being with you. Pleasure being with all of you listening. Reach out anytime. We are, again, Pro Football Network. I'm BJ Rudell. You can find us at profootballnetwork.com. This is the In The Mood Podcast. We look forward to seeing you later this week, and good luck Thursday.